Hi there, and welcome to my Fashion Stories Box podcast, a podcast about stories in fashion history. I'm Catherine, and I am so glad to welcome you here. Let's discover together interesting facts about fashion and history and fashion history. Fast fashion here, fast fashion there. This word is omnipresent in our life should you be interested in fashion a bit. The incarnation of consumerism, fast fashion is considered as the evil and is seen at the origin of many social and environmental issues we've been facing lately. But before being judgmental, I'd like first to define what is fast fashion and to trace back its origins. By understanding how it was born, we might find a way to change this fast and yes, I'll be judgmental, environmentally unrespectful way of consuming clothing items. But first, what is fast fashion? I always love to define terms and concepts before analyzing them. And for that, I usually look up in a good old dictionary. The first dictionary I looked up is a generalist one, the Oxford Dictionary, which defines fast fashion as, quote, inexpensive clothing produced rapidly by mass market retailers in response to the latest trends, unquote. And then I looked up in a more business dictionary, Investopedia. For them, quote, fast fashion is the term used to describe clothing designs that move quickly from the catwalk to stores to take advantage of trends. The collections are often based on styles presented at Fashion Week runway shows or worn by celebrities. Fast fashion allows mainstream consumers to to purchase the hot new look or the next big thing at an affordable price. Fast fashion became common because of cheaper, speedier manufacturing and shipping methods, an increase of consumers' appetite for up-to-the-minute styles, and the increase in consumer purchasing power, especially among young people, to indulge these instant gratification desires. Because of all this, fast fashion is challenging the established clothing labels tradition of introducing new collections and lines on an orderly seasonal basis. In fact, it's not uncommon for fast fashion retailers to introduce new products multiple times in one week to stay on trend. Unquote. The terms of fast fashion was first coined in the 90s by the New York Times in an article announcing the opening of a Zara shop in New York and describing their production scheme. So, can we say that the 90s are the era of fast fashion? Well, its origins are older. We can trace fast fashion origins back to the 18th century and the Industrial Revolution. Yes, thanks to the Industrial Revolution, life started to improve and not just for an elite. Scientists discovered how to control the creation of electricity, leading to the invention of electric generators and motors, electric public transportation as trains and trams, and the electric lamp. Steam engines developed and you could find applications in the locomotives, boats and ships. Telephones and telegraphs developed also, not to mention the photography with the Brothers Lumiere. 
Basically, communications, travels and production started to be faster. From a fashion point of view, everything started in Great Britain, thus positioning the country as the textile leader. The following inventions made everything easier and faster. The spinning jenny, an engine for spinning wool or cotton, would develop the wearing of clothes, the power loom, the spinning frame and, of course, the sewing machine. Another great invention that would completely revolutionize fashion and the production of fashion items was the creation of standard sizing. We all know our S, M, L, XL sizing and other variations. In France, for closing, we also have sizing as 36, 38, 40, 42, 44, and so on. As the human body evolves over time, so the, so the sizing and regularly sizing surveys are done on the selection of people to see if the dimensions are still relevant and to adjust if necessary. For example, a 19th century M size won't be the same as a 60s M size or as an 80s M size, not mentioning geographical differences. A M size in Asian countries it's not the same as the M size in European countries. Linked to the size standardization, paper patterns also started to be widely used, as well as machines which would do permanent pleating, buttons, and so on. In a sense, it started to be easier and easier to be in the fashion business as it started to rely more and more on automation and machines than on real design skills. It also led to the appearance of ready-to-wear, as opposed to tailor-made. You could go to a department store and buy an already done outfit at a standard size, but ready to be worn and less expensive than the one you would have ordered tailor-made to your tailor, not mentioning the production time, which would have been longer. Alongside with the development of tools, scientists also started to experiment in the creation of artificial fabrics and dyes, which had negative impacts on the health of the wearers and of the producers, but made everything faster, brighter and lasting longer. Not mentioning the cost reduction. I really recommend you the book Fashion Victims by Alison Matthews David, about which I did a book review in a previous podcast should you be interested in learning more about this topic. From the harvesting of materials to the creation of fabrics and the sewing of garments, everything was in place for a faster fashion. And this is what happened. The ready-to-wear sector was born and boomed. Before, remember, people asked the tailor to do made-to-measure clothes. It could take time as everything was handmade and it could cost money. With the apparition of ready-to-wear, being fashionable wasn't just a question of financial means or position in the society. Fashion started to reach the burgeoning middle classes of the 18th and 19th century who wanted to get dressed well and affordably. Indeed, according to a book published in 1876, how to dress well on a shilling a day? Quote, poverty must, above all things, avoid the appearance of poverty. Unquote. Doesn't it ring a bell for you and our current society? 
Nothing haven't changed much, it seems, since the 19th century when it comes to appearance. This is then when you can point out the start of a fast-paced conception of fashion linked with tremendous technological progress and the development of the middle classes, which will consume the most this type of produced outfits. The second step for me in the development of fast fashion is the swinging 60s, another decade marked by technological progress. Just an, as an example, the first man was sent to space, Yuri Gagarin, in 1961, followed by the first man walking on the moon, Neil Armstrong, in 1969. If it's not technological progress, well, I don't know what it is. From a fashion point of view, the 60s are the decade of the miniskirts with Mary Quant, the space race-inspired collections with the space age from Pierre Cardin. The style is simple, rock and roll, short, and reflects the social and sexual liberalization women were experimenting during that decade. The young generation, who was 20 years old, were born just before the war or during the war, and they started to reject the conventions of their parents. Here is a testimony I found of designer Marion Fall about her impressions on styles at the youth during the 60s and reflecting the will of this generation to cut with the conventions. Quote, I had to go to Sunday school with white gloves, hat, and a handbag, just like a miniature mom, in a dress made by her, and exactly the same as hers. I mean, who wanted to do that? We just wanted to kick against it all. Unquote. If before the ideal woman was a mature one with curves and a mother, with the 60s we start to see the reign of youth and beauty with an giant silhouette incarnated by the first supermodel, Twiggy, and the corresponding style, the mod style, mod for modernism. So how the 60s became the second step in the development of fast fashion? It's again linked with technological progresses and the increase of incomes. Young people started to enter the workforce and thus to earn more money. As they wish to break with their parents' traditional way of dressing, they were looking for ways to express their identity and differences. Fashion was the ideal field for experimentation for them. Fashion players understood that shift in generations and started to design collections targeted to young people. This is how youth took the power on fashion designs. Until now. Designers started to offer more and more collections to capture the purchasing power of this generation obsessed by experimentation and this promise of a bright future full of innovations. Designers experimented with synthetic fabrics and plastic while creating their collections to cater to this new generation hungry for modernity, easy to care and fun outfits. The way of shopping also changed during the 60s. If before department stores reigned, the 60s saw the emergence of small boutiques which had a bigger appeal to the new generation. London positioned itself as the capital of designers' boutiques, mostly located in two main streets, 
Kingswalls and Carnaby Streets, and with the famous and influential Biba store. These stores would sell affordable clothing targeting to young customers in the look for urban creative lifestyles. Boutiques were small as opposed to the big department stores, creating a more intimate atmosphere. Clients would choose and try and receive style advice from salespeople. The spread of style and trends in fashion was also possible through a faster pace of communication. Movie celebrities, rock and roll stars also conveyed a certain style during their TV appearance, concerts, movies and magazine interviews, which would inspire the young generation in developing their own style and changing it according to their idols. The 70s saw a slowdown in fashion consumption with people started to understand the potential uh, long-term consequences of consumerism, however, as in fashion and society during the 20th century, each decade constructs itself to the opposite of the previous one, the 80s came back to consumption and more consumption, followed by the 90s. What happened during the 80s? Well, first, I was born. But apart from that, this decade witnessed the peak of the Cold War between the USSR and the USA, the beginning of MTV channel, and the invasion of advertising everywhere, the wider distribution of the American way of life with series as Dallas and Dynasty, and the power suit. Of course, many more things happened, as the outbreak of HIV, Chernobyl, and the falling down of the Berlin Wall, among others. Not a very happy decade, retrospectively. But let's focus on fashion and our, our fast fashion topic. The 80s saw more and more women invading the corporate life and occupying jobs previously pre reserved to men. They were earning more money, gained more financial independence and tried their best to fit in this very masculine, should we say, macho, corporate world by adapting their wardrobe and taking elements from the men's regular three-piece suit. Series as Dallas and Dynasty also vehiculated the image of strong, powerful and ambitious women dressed a certain way. Square shoulders, oversized outfits and women around the world adopted the same style to translate their ambitions. Another factor was important the development of advertising. Not that advertising didn't exist before, but starting from the 80s, advertising would become aggressive and would invade all communication means. TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and so on. A great opportunity for brands to reach more and more customers. The demand for new and affordable clothing increased and fashion brands started to launch more and more collections through advertising. You will see the birth and development of our today fast fashion brands also during the 80s. H&M is considered as the first fast fashion retailers as it opened in 47 in Sweden and started its international development in the 70s. Then you have Zara. The first store opened in 75 in Spain and then widely developed through the 80s and 90s. Mango was founded in Spain in 84, 
These are for the main European fast fashion players of today's. With the 80s and the 90s, communication developed and with the collapse of the USSR in 91, the borders virtually disappeared, opening the world to new markets. Starting from the 90s, the world became a big town. Communication accelerated with internet being more and more used and the emergence of the first social media. Fashion also became international. The style of the 90s was widely inspired by the American street style and was nicknamed the bling bling style, taking its inspiration from the hip-hop culture with big shiny jewelry, expensive looking clothes, large pants, crop tops and so on. I was a teenager during this decade and I remember how some hype girls in high school used to dress. I also remember all the series we were watching and the styles we were trying to copy. Beverly Hills, Friends with Rachel Green, Sex and the City with Carrie Bradshaw's, and so on. Not to forget the Spice Girls and the other girls' band of that time, All Saints. The style became more and more diverse, diversified, and fashion brands had to cater to teenagers and young adults, desperate to have the right look at the right moment and at the right price. Production became bigger and brands started to look for ways to cut on production costs. European and American workforce starting to be too expensive for them in their optic to offer cheap clothes and to maintain margins. Then, what did they do? Well, they moved their production to countries where the workforce was cheaper, governments eager to attract foreign investments at all costs and social protection or unions for workers completely non-existent. I'm sure you already guessed which countries. Basically, the 90s saw the delocalization of fashion production to China, India, Bangladesh and other South East Asian countries. Fashion brands were thus able to provide fast-produced clothing at a very cheap price and with a variety of style changing every week almost. As the clothes were cheap, the quality was also cheap, meaning that the consumers had to come back regularly to buy again. Fast fashion brands also started to create the need to buy now because tomorrow it might not be there anymore. That's how we ended having several collections each month to encourage people to visit stores as often as possible and to make them buy right away in fear it won't be there the day after. It's the see by it principle. And this scheme could have lasted forever if at some point people haven't been made aware of the production conditions of their cheap clothing and their consequences on people society and environment. For that, we needed a very tragic incident to wake up the consciousness. The collapse of the Rana Plaza on April the 24th, uh, 2013 in Dhaka, Bangladesh and costing the life of more than 1,100 government workers and injuring many, many more. This tragic event led to the realization of fast fashion dark side 
amplified by the speed of communication thanks to internet and social media. Consumers started to ask fashion brands more transparency regarding their production methods and their suppliers. On the aftermath of the Rana Plaza collapse, a new movement was born, the Fashion Revolution Movement. Each year, on the week of the Rana Plaza collapse in April, actions are organized to raise awareness on the effects of fast fashion and to make fashion brands accountable for the actions by asking people to ask brands, who made my clothes? Two years after the collapse of the Rana Plaza in 2015, a documentary produced by Andrew Morgan with Livia Firth, The True Cost, was released. It's a powerful and hot movie to watch. I watched it twice and cried twice in which all players from the cotton production to the cutting and sewing are interviewed. I really advise you to watch it should you be interested in understanding better our current fashion consumption scheme. Thank you for listening. It was a very short explanation of the rise of fast fashion and decrease of clothing perceived value over time. I hope you enjoyed this short fashion story about fast fashion and that you now have a better understanding on the origins of it, how it developed over time, and what we could do to make fast fashion slower. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen your podcast, to follow me on Instagram and Facebook, and to have a look at my blog to complete the podcast with some visuals. And if you like my podcast, Feel free to leave a comment or review. I would really appreciate it. I am Catherine and this is my Fashion Stories Box podcast, a podcast about stories in fashion history. See you next week for a new fashion story.